Welcome everyone to a new episode of Business Growth on Purpose. And our guest today is Brendan McMorrin. He's a VP at First National Bank. And we're going to talk about financing, SBA financing, bust a couple of myths, things that might be keeping you from getting the resources you need for your business. So as always, we're going to right size this for owner-led businesses, and it's going to be especially relevant to you if you're thinking about acquisition, expansion, working capital. Uh, Brendan's going to really walk us through a couple of key things uh, in the next 20 minutes or so. So listen closely and you'll get some, I think, important nuggets that might help you and your business as you grow your business on purpose. Well, welcome, Brendan, to Business Growth on Purpose. Thank you, Jose. Uh, great to be with you here this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Brendan, uh, you know, I know uh, obviously you're uh, a, a VP at a bank, but I want you to tell our audience just you know what you do and who do you focus on. And I think we're just going to have a great and very important conversation for our listeners. Absolutely. So I am a SBA lender with First National Bank Small Business Finance. I'm based outside the metro Philadelphia area in uh, Berwyn, PA specifically, but cover the entire East Coast here. And with my uh, with the bank and with our SBA space, we kind of focus on that um, mid-level business owner, anything from your mom and pop corner store up to your $20 million revenue um, manufacturer or small business owner. Okay. And, and now you have a particular specialization around, S, around SBA-related financing. Is that, that correct? I mean, that's a, that's a big part of your portfolio. That is correct. So here at the bank, I am the S, one of the SBA specialists. So that is my focus. So I do, I've been doing it for 15 plus years now, which is kind of scary when I think about it, but okay. kind of goes pretty, pretty fast. Uh, but I am focused on SBA lending here at the bank. Okay. And, and, you know, one reason I find that fascinating is because again, for the last, you know, uh, uh, just a little bit longer than you've been at the bank, you know, we've been at Valley Prop, right? So we've worked with dozens and dozens of business owners and often they, they reach a, a, a pivot point or fork in a row would have to make a decision that involves some financing, right? So that's either, how do I, how do I move banks? Uh, The bank's asking us to get out of the line, you know, to, to rest it, or we need to acquire, we want to expand. And I've always asked the question, you know, does the SBA give us any options? You know, strategically, is this something we should look at? And oftentimes I I have owners look me in the eye like I just said like like a four-letter word instead of a three-letter word when I said SBA. (laughs) And, you know, and I'm saying, okay, well, you know, you're a $10 million manufacturer. Why wouldn't you look at SBA for acquiring, let's say, a small machine shop that complements your business and so on? So I really want to myth bust a little bit, like what's real, what's the SBA today? What can it do for businesses today? So, uh, so let me form that into a, a, just an initial question. So sure. who's the SBA or what SBA, um, when you hear about a business talking about its financial picture, what triggers in your mind that the SBA might give them some good options they should be looking at? Absolutely. That's a great question. So for me, when I start a conversation with a client, a business owner, and they're looking at that next step, whether it's tra- uh, transition, financing and transition, change of ownership, uh, some type of expansion or acquisition. To me, I'm thinking, what are their key points? Are they looking to save capital, kind of put you know, and put lower less of their their capital out the door into this new transaction? Are they trying to strengthen their cash flow? And those are all things that 
the SBA really can uh, help a business owner with. You know, the SBA, I look at it as more of a credit enhancement rather than a lot of the stereotypical myths out there that, you know, SBA used to be the lender last resort, or, you know, if I can't go the conventional route, um, maybe I have to go SBA. But I think especially we've seen it over the past two years of this pandemic where SBA has become overly prevalent in the mainstream media and with a lot of business owners, they're starting to uncover those benefits. You know, I, I would like to purchase a building, buy a second location. Well, do I, if I go into my lender, Mr. Banker, I may not want to put that larger down payment down. I would like to kind of keep some capital on the sidelines for my next move, for, this, for the third move. And the SBA is a great a tool for a business owner to use to do that, uh, maximizing, leveraging up the most amount of financing they can get for a project while keeping that capital uh, on the sidelines for them. And then they can use that to reinvest in themselves, into their company, into staffing, into other things so that they're not, um, they're not as I would say, cash strapped from that one step. They can, look, they can plan two or three steps down the road. So what are some of the things that you hear it specifically? Like, yes, maybe the stigma of, well, if I went SBA, it means I couldn't get regular bank financing. Correct. But are, are there other concerns like the cost of the loan, uh, the strings attached with the federal government, those kinds of things? Are there other concerns people have that maybe they shouldn't have? There are a lot of um myths and strings and misconceptions out there. And either the individual business owner uh, entrepreneur has gone down the road with the SBA maybe 10, 15 years ago with a friend or a colleague has, and they, they think, well, if I, I want to go conventional because I don't want the government involved with my business. It's my business. It's my baby. I've been doing this for X amount of years. I, I don't want to have to deal with the excess timing, the, over, the excess due diligence, additional paperwork, and again, having you know, the government kind of looking into their financials, which really is not the case. If you're working with a preferred lender, like First National Bank is, we have a dedicated underwriting group and team. You're just dealing with myself or the bank. And the SBA is kind of there in the background, providing the bank with a backstop to, so that they can do that credit enhancement, kind of push the leverage and do, and do 90% financing instead of 80 or, or 75% financing. And the, S, the small business owner really doesn't see any of those. Yes, there might be a couple more documents they have to sign. It may take a week or two longer for due diligence up front. But the benefit is the terms and um, everything around the loan. And the one thing that I think is missed a lot of times is the SBA has no covenants. They're not allowed to put covenants on these loans. For conventional, you may have a quarterly, you have to provide the bank with quarterly financials. You may have a debt service coverage that could trip you going into default. The, sure. the SBA is a pretty much, it's like that um, infomercial, set it and forget it. You're making okay. your payment. As long as you're making your payment, you're in good standing. As long as you're making a payment, you're in good standing, which is interesting because I have worked with clients that ran into some covenant issues. And it triggered all kinds of pain with their bank. Yep. Um, uh, and, and they were otherwise a profitable business doing fine, but it might have been the debt coverage or something like Correct. that. You know, which, and again, I know those things exist because banks want to see early warning signs before disaster strikes. I get that Correct. part. But for an owner, that's very, it's very strange to say, well, you know, we're, we're, you know we've, we've paid our bills, we've not missed a payment, and yet 
I'm, my line's being called. I have to rest it now when it'd be really inconvenient to rest a million dollar line. Correct. And I have had those conversations in numerous times where I'd rather have that upfront, do the extra little bit of due diligence the SBA requires before closing rather than on the back end. Well, you know, we went two points or two, two basis points below our debt service coverage and we tripped it. Why is the line being called? Uh, something like that. So it, it really, there are a lot of benefits um, to the program that help the small business owner out. Yes. Now, in the last two years, uh, obviously, we saw, we saw the SBA being tasked, and it was pretty amazing what they had to do. All of a sudden, stand up a complete multiple programs of PPP yeah. being the most, perhaps the most famous one, PPP one and PPP two, and then <laughs> yes. the uh, the economic injury disaster loan, the EIDL program, right as mm-hmm. well. So I know owners have taken advantage of all those things, and it was actually a real godsend. It bought them oxygen at a time where there wasn't a whole lot of oxygen going around. So do you see those things uh, being still relevant? I mean, is, is there still any play in that in terms of like EIDL? Is there any, any gas left in that tank? Or is that already like sunset or retired? That um, I, The programs were great and beneficial to the business owners when, we, when they definitely needed those. They have all been exhausted at this point. I believe the last one was the EIDL program that recently um, ran at either stop taking applications over the past few weeks, which was through the SBA directly. Um, I, I do believe that they, again, they brought SBA lending back to the forefront of, I think, the mainstream in a good, I believe, in a good light. Um, and those programs specifically did help uh, the business owners over those past two years, especially kind of weathering a storm when they weren't able to go in and they weren't able to um, do their normal day-to-day operations. What we're seeing and we're still working through from a lending perspective is how do we handle some of those uh, PPP loan forgivenesses? And now a business owner took some, now they've had a little bit of COVID fatigue. They're looking to sell the business, transition to the the next generation. So myself and a lot of other SBA SBA lenders really have to dig in and kind of see how we handle those forgivenesses uh, from a cash flow perspective, uh, which we do. And everyone is very unique. Wow. So that's a, I mean, that's a whole new idea, right? So you, you get this money and if you spent it the right way, you don't owe it, but Correct. if not, you might owe it. <laughs> and, then <if> you're, <laughs> yeah. and, and then also, if you're at a certain type of, like, you know, some sort of exit event, there's actually some things that can accrue to you. And the good news is because yep. they went back and forth, like on PPP as to whether or not it would actually be uh, like triple benefit, right. That it would actually be uh, 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 that it wouldn't count as income and, and at first they said it wouldn't, then they said it would. And then I think they finally landed on it's not going to count as income. But that was a little right. harrowing for a lot of people who took, you know, a lot of PPP money. Wow. So, you know, when let's let's broaden this topic just a little bit. Uh, so if if somebody listening to this said, you know, I hear like 7A and these other programs and so on. What at a high level, what are the major traditional SBA programs that uh, an owner of, let's say, a five, ten million dollar operation might actually be looking at? Sure. The um, seven, so I'll kind of simplify it. The two main programs that I would say 99% of the SBA lenders, including First National Bank participate in is the 7A loan program and the 504 program. The 7A loan program is, I call it your Swiss army knife of, of lending. It is a term loan program that can do everything from uh, real estate, equipment, working capital, partner buyout, pretty much everything can be financed through that SBA option. 
And the term of the loan is dictated by what the funds are going to be used for. So a lot of times my initial discovery call with a client is, okay, you want a $500,000 loan, a million dollar loan. What are the funds going to be used for so that I can start piecing together what the term is? Is it going to be 10-year term, 15, 25? And then we can kind of work backwards from, from that. There are very distinguished or dis- different distinguishing characteristics between the 7A and the 504. Um, 504 is primarily just for real estate and large equipment financing. And there's a component where it's a, a first and a second mortgage. So you have a, a bank that does the first mortgage, and then you have a certified development company, which almost every county, if not every area of each state, has a dedicated certified development company that they represent the SBA in that transaction. And then okay. the bank will partner with them to do that. Well, so I can see where that could sound complicated. It does. And especially when, um, again, going back to how prevalent the SBA has been out there in the media, people start doing their own due diligence, which is great. And they may say, well, I'm trying to buy my partner out. I heard about 504 lending. Well, it doesn't fit that request because it's, there's no real estate in there. So we have to look at the 7A, which we can do. And depending on the structure, we could do 90 or 100% financing. So um, there are two different very two different distinguishing programs, but they both have their uh, strong benefits in certain in circumstances where that makes sense. Now, typically, uh, like like most loans of any kind for businesses, this the, the the issue is you know who's guaranteeing it, whose whose name is on it, whose house is on the line. What <laughs> what are what are kind of the the those elements in an SBA context? Absolutely, it's a great question. The um, most, that's usually the second, maybe third piece or third question that I'll get to with a client is, okay, I have to personally guarantee the loan. Yes. Well, are you going to take a lien on my house? Possibly. And the way I kind of present it is every bank may have their parameters. If there's X amount of equity, the SBA requires you to at least look at all business assets. And we may need to take a second lien. As long as you are making the business is operating, you're making your payments, the, the SBA lender is not going to be foreclosing on that property. And even if we had a pandemic situation again, or things shut down, or, or God forbid, the business had to, to shut down, and the, um, the loan goes into a workout situation, the SBA lender majority of the time is not the senior lien holder on that personal residence. So the likelihood of them losing that pr- uh, that property is slim to none. Um, the personal guarantee always kind of gets some clients, but the underwriter kind of wants, you know, if we're leveraging at the maximum level of 90 to 100% financing on a project, they kind of do want some skin in the game from the business owner. That, you know, we're all in this together. We're all on the same team. So as long as you're, as long as the business is performing and things are going according to plan, w- we can push the envelope on the financing piece. Right. And, and the reality is, I mean, unless you're like a, a large corporation, there's almost any kind of bank financing is going to be personal guarantees. You know, if it's a half million dollar line of credit on your $10 million business, somebody's signing somewhere, they're not, right. <laughs> not, they're not usually just letting it go to the corporation at that size, unless it's a bunch of, by and large, at least my observation has been. So uh, there is, and there's big. absolutely. And, and there are, there's ways to kind of, to have those conversations up front with the business owner to what are, how are we going to structure this? What's the ownership structure? So let's get all of the 
everything out on the table at, at that first initial discovery call. And who's going to have to personally guarantee what, what all the assets are available. And if we can fully secure it with business assets, we don't have to look at anything personally, um, okay. which, is always, which, is always, which is sometimes kind of missed. So as I understand what you just said, Brendan, the reality is that um, uh, the guarantees can be, if there's business assets that can be presented. So like a more traditional manufacturing concern, something with brick and mortar assets may have more than let's say a professional services firm like a CPA or a law firm may have less. I mean, desks and uh, right. and paperweights, you know, aren't going to secure a million dollar line of credit. So, but, but in a manufacturing concern, it might. Uh, the, it the, might, yes. The, the, there may be um, business assets there to, to fully collateralize the loan. So there would not be a need for actual personal assets to be pledged. The personal guarantee is still going to be needed uh, per the SBA. That's their requirement. But they're actually, it may just be signing the personal guarantee. There's probably going to be no lien put on a residence or um, a, a trading account or anything personally. It would just be the business assets. Right. And just one question. It's a minor point, but it's, I'm kind of curious, like in the in the event where a lien is placed on, let's say, a personal residence because of the the quantity of the of the loan. Does that does that prevent or make it very hard for that homeowner to sell their house? That's a great question. And it's becoming um, coming up a lot this year. It does not prevent them from selling the house or even refinancing the house. Uh, each lender kind of looks at it. Uh, differently, and depending on a couple factors on how much collateral was in the property, the day they went to closing, how, you know, what point in time are they in, in the life cycle of that SBA loan. So they are able to either uh, release it fully, substitute additional, uh, different collateral for it, or if they're looking to uh, sell the property and buy a new house, we could uh, substitute the collateral. They release it on the one, and then the new house that they're buying, they'll take that as collateral. Most of the time, they want to have close to, if not the same, collateral position. So if the house had about $100,000 in equity in the new house, they would like to see at least the same. Um, and if they're coming into a windfall from, from selling the house, you're able to substitute it. Instead of putting a lien on the new house, you could pledge some cash collateral or marketables or, or something, pay down the loan possibly and not need to pledge anything. Okay. All right. So the, but, but there is, I mean, but it is a real consideration in terms of how you manage that transaction. Right. So uh, it is, and I'm thinking just somebody will say downsizing or something like that, where they, where they may not buy another equal house, you know, depending mm -hmm. where they are in their life and, and so on. So fascinating. So uh, Brendan, this has been really uh, so beneficial to, I'm sure uh, for me, as I learn more and more about these things and, and certainly for our listeners, I think, just some basic principles of how to think about the SBA and so on. So if somebody wanted to know more about what you do and to even make contact with you, where should they go and how should they do that? Um, absolutely. I Please look uh, look me up on LinkedIn. I, I'm pretty much on that nonstop, either on the phone or, or on, on the computer. So Brendan McMorrin, LinkedIn, I'm pretty much the there's only five McMorrins out there on LinkedIn, all of us okay. related. So I'm the only SBA lender <laughs> between okay. that and uh, my, my cell phone is there, which is on all the time as well. So those are the best two. All right. And you're with First National Bank and Brendan McMorrin. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to uh, educate our listeners. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Jose. I appreciate your time today. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. 
If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.